Welcome back to the Iowa Adrenaline Podcast, guys. In this episode, me and Marshall kind of recap the bow season and kind of go through the ups and downs. Uh, definitely had a lot of downs this season, but uh, season's not over yet, and still got a lot of days left to hunt, and hopefully we can catch up to something big. Uh, we got a few does killed during this last gun season, so we got some meat in the freezer. Pretty excited about that. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy kind of the stories and some of the tactics we bring up for gun season. And if you're still out there grinding away during the late muzzleloader season or late bow season, good luck to you and hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Iowa Adrenaline Podcast, guys. Uh, It's been a while since we've had an episode and we've just been getting our asses kicked this season, haven't we? I... I'd say that's an understatement a little bit, yeah. Hunted hard during bow season, and um, I think it was the 11th of November. Finally, I got a shot at something that uh, I wanted to wanted to shoot that was big enough, and uh, ended up missing about 180 inch 10 point in the morning. And I mean, the spot was just it was just hot as shit. I mean. The sign was there, and the bucks were moving through. It was just a real brushy funnel uh, down this old river bottom. And so I went back that evening, and I was already pissed off about myself. And here comes about a mid-160s 10-point. And um, stopped him about 35 yards, broadside, perfectly broadside, and ended up shooting. And, I mean, I knew the shot was further back than I wanted it, but the height seemed to be perfect up and down and uh, I immediately thought liver and I thought I got some lung by the sound of the shot because it had that pop to it and full pass through deer ran off I mean just tore off like bat out of hell um, and finally got out of sight I could only see him for about 80 yards before he got out of sight because it was so thick in there and the wind was up so Hearing him was pretty much out of the question. It was about 25-mile-an-hour wind. We gave him about four hours and went back, tracked, and, you know, found, I wouldn't say it was good blood, but it was decent blood and real dark like it was liver and found a couple spots that actually had some, some bubbles in it, so there was definitely some lung. And made it about, I don't know, 125 yards maybe and, the blood just ran out. He got into an open crop field and we figured he was going to cut back at some point to the thick shit. And I'm sure he did somewhere, but we never could pick up the blood and backed out that night, called a dog tracker, had the tracker come out the next day and tracked with the tracker for about another three hours probably. And, but the wind was just blowing all weekend and I'm sure a lot of the blood got blown away and, and the scent and when it's so dry like that i think the dog has a really tough time picking up the scent and the other problem we were running into was such a high deer density area that i don't know if the dog was picking up his specific track or not and had no luck there and so i was extremely down about that and i take i take things like that really serious Uh, i have a lot of respect for the animals that we chase and and um i kind of chose then that I was going to sit out the rest of bow season just because I know it was a lethal shot and not being able to recover a deer and, and knowing you have one dead somewhere and it doesn't sit right with me to go out and 
and shoot another one. So sat out the rest of bow season and now we're into gun season. So, and I'll let Marshall give you an update on his season and he's been kind of having similar luck. Yeah. So I'm going to touch on yours a little bit because we're on that subject right now. Um, I think our biggest problem not being able to recover that deer was just an overall lack of blood. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why there wasn't more blood being a full pass through because the first, first blood, we definitely had blood on both sides. Um, yep. and up until where we lost blood, he never stopped once, you know, that's, it was about a hundred, hundred, 120 yards and, uh, he never stopped. No. And never gave him chance, gave himself a chance to bleed out. And that, that made it really tough on us. It really did. The wind blowing and er- and everything else dry and that overall lack of blood just really, really sucks. Uh, especially when you know that he's fatally wounded. It, I mean, there's there's just not much you can do about that kind of situation. You know, we we did no, everything and, in our and, power. And you know, I mean, we're shooting those really heavy arrows, which are, I mean, are great. And I'm not going to change from it because I'd rather, you know, get a full pass through. But another thing that I think may have happened, and I mean, you can always guess and and at what happened, and you'll never know for sure. But I think, you know, I was pretty low in the tree, and, you know, that arrow starts dropping off big time about, you know, 30 yards when you're shooting those real um, heavy FOC arrows. And, so the entry may have looked good, but I think the exit was probably a lot lower than I than I thought it was, and I'm guessing that exit wound just got plugged up with with fat or or guts or or whatever, you know, something something plugged it up, and and we did find some white hair, which which makes me think that you know maybe that was the case on the on the offside, um, and and you know as well as I do, I mean those animals move so much and even when you hit them, I mean, they're moving as that arrow is, is going through them and it can really throw off what you think is a good shot. And, you know, I mean, but that's, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's, it's bow hunting. Um, I mean, the only thing I think I could have done different was not take the shot. And, um, you know, I didn't think it was an unethical shot and, but it, what happened happened and it sucked and, and it bothers me a lot more than, then it bothers a lot of people and that's why I chose to kind of sit out the rest of the season, but just a shitty deal overall, but ready to move on and, and get better and learn from it. So, yep. And we put every effort that we could into trying to recover that deer. Um, and we were out there for hours scouring and then we were still out there the next few days looking for birds and anything else. And it just didn't work out. And I, I feel like we, we gave that animal, our respect you know in that in that way trying trying our best to recover it and it just it just didn't happen which is unfortunate but i do have a kind of a win story for uh that type of situation actually from this year three years ago so 2019 i uh had a deer come out and this was back when i was still shooting mechanicals and 20 yard shot and i i don't care what you shoot you would think a 20 yard shot shooting 70 pounds you're gonna blow through that deer no matter what well that mechanical blade 
I hit a little high. I don't know if it was my angle or the excitement or I chose to hit high because of the uh, how high I was up in the tree, whatever. Hit him in the shoulder. Didn't have great penetration. Uh, terrible blood. I gave him plenty of time and Ronan and dad both come out with me and we tracked that deer. Oh, 100 yards about back to where he was bedding. And we kicked him up still alive and he took off towards the south and you know we kind of hemmed and hawed and said you know he's not bleeding anymore uh if it just got the shoulder and didn't get into the lungs he's probably he's probably gonna make it he's gonna be in a little bit of pain but he's probably gonna make it well fast forward to this year in gun season i was walking a ditch that uh we actually walked not me personally a few other people we know have walked at least three or four times in the past few years. And I look over and sitting in the ditch is this deer that I shot in 2019. And, you know, you can believe me or not. I don't really care. I got tons of trail cam pictures of this deer. And when I walked up on the skull, I knew it wasn't fresh. I knew it had been there a while. It was all stained. And he was a really dark antler deer. And his antlers were almost bleach white. And looking at him, looking at the trail cam pictures, it's 100% him. He's a pretty unique deer. His main beams are about, oh, half an inch away from touching, and he's got a couple unique kickers. 150-inch eight-point, approximately, and he's a nice deer. I, hindsight's always 20-20. You know, you see that mass, and you're thinking old deer, but I'd have to say he's pro he was probably only four and a half when I shot him. Probably should have gave him another year, but... That was a successful recovery story, just not the way that we want it. No, um, and he made it, I mean, a mile and a half from, from yeah, where he shot him. I that mean, he did. And yeah. crossed the river. Yeah, crossed the river. And and we did, after we jumped in the first time, you know, I I circled back around kind of to this brushy draw where we figured he went, and, and I ended up kicking him up again. And, uh, you know, when I last seen him, I mean, he, he appeared to be – fine i mean running fine looking around uh, he was aware of what was going on i mean and i would have told you anything that, that that deer probably survived you know and what ended up getting him who knows you know maybe you did get along and and that just warmed down or he got an infection or or whatever i mean you'll never know for sure but but yeah definitely nice to recover that one even if it was a few years after and um i mean we've we've had a lot of those stories and i mean it's, it's not like we're out here taking I mean, unethical shots, but, you know, I mean, a white-tailed deer, I think it's one of the hardest animals, especially a mature deer, to, to kill with a bow just because the movement they have is, is just incredible, you know, when you shoot. Um, and and I, I our, our recovery percentages have gone up a lot since we switched to fixed blades and, and heavy arrows. And But, you know, like we said, it, it's bow hunting and, and nothing's set in stone. It's not like shooting them with a gun, you know, I mean there's, there's so much that can happen and, um, you know, you're going to have situations like that and, and you just got to live with that and try to do your best, I guess. So the best summation of bow hunting is your bow hunting shit happens. There's a lot of stuff that's not in your control. We try to control everything that we can control to improve our odds, but shit still happens. Yep. Yep. But I don't know. Do you want to give them a, give them a recap on, on your season and kind of the way it went 
Yeah, I'll give him a recap. So, I've seen a lot of deer. I, I've seen a lot of damn good deer. I had a lot of damn good deer in range. Uh, my first few sets, even. I mean, I, I had bucks chasing does on the 27th of October, which was great. Um, one of my first sits over on one of our rivers, uh, we had a, a buck little buck a little 120 come chasing a doe across the bean field and then behind her or behind him was about a 160 that i i think he's about five and a half and uh i i think if he would have given me a chance i probably would have shot him and ended my season right there but it was one of those situations that he never gave me a good shot he never really stuck around he was after that doe and that was that i had about a 150 inch nine point behind that one and he's nice and he gave me the, every opportunity to kill him uh just not what i'm looking for and i think i think a lot of people uh it kind of sounds strange to some that i have a deer of that caliber and i don't shoot and maybe people think i'm just a shitty hunter which that's fine uh the caliber of deer of deer that I'm after is just higher and I have a higher standard. And if I don't kill a deer, well, that's on me because I have a, I have a picture in my mind of what I want. I've shot deer like this before. And if he doesn't come in front, I really am okay with that. Uh, a little while after that, I had, uh, just gotten into a stand the neighbors were taking out some corn, so I knew the deer were going to be moving through there a little bit um, abnormal. And I got—I just got up in the, in the tree stand about three three thirty, and hadn't even sat down or nothing yet. Mobile stand and a setup that I've never sat before. Had about a one sixty class come through at about thirty yards, and kind of the same deal. Never never presented that opportunity. Never gave me a shot. And he ended up heading on down towards the river. And then the rest of the season, I guess, was filled with long distance deer that uh, I would definitely shoot. You know, always on does, always a situation where you can't get them to come in. And lesser caliber deer coming in just perfect. You know, you have. <clears throat> 150 inch deer under your stand and you just can't pull the trigger on those type of deer if you want to kill the big ones yep uh, like i said you know that's on me that's just what i want and my preference and i'm i'm good to live like that because i know that i can kill deer i just got to get the right one in front of me yeah i mean it and the season wasn't all bad i mean there was a lot of good that came out of it uh i I learned a ton, you know, I mean, just like I do every season, but it's crazy how you can hunt, you know, an area for, you know, we've been hunting that area for, uh, I mean, 10 years now, at least, you know, bow hunting and, and you think you have something figured out and then something else happens and you're like, no, this is the spot. And, and in particular, we have a spot that's super good. I mean, it, it holds big deer. I mean, it's a, probably it's one just- of our best spots but it's so hard to hunt. The access is just terrible. And I actually ended up finding a spot down in there where my wind was 
consistent on a certain wind and you can get in without blowing everything out. And so that was a huge, huge win overall is figuring out that, that place, you know, and, and being able to get down in there and hunt those deer. Cause that's been our problem for the last three or four years that we've been hunting that property is just getting in there and getting out and, and getting in the right spot without blowing the whole place out. And so that was one of the big takeaways I had. And, and I think that's a good thing to keep in mind is just, you know, don't, don't go back and, and try to replicate everything every year, you know, constantly learn and try new things and, and read the sign. And, um, I think that's the reason why I've gotten so many more opportunities the last few years is just because I don't go in there with past season knowledge. I, I totally forget it almost and, and go in there and read the sign and, and, and hunt it like it's like the deer moving through it that year improvise adapt and overcome yep um but it is kind of interesting though you're talking about this spot that's so so great during the rut and sometimes early season it'd be interesting for them to hear what happens as soon as december hits yeah and then that spot in particular and we've talked about it um you know, I don't think food is the problem. I really don't because there's, I mean, I walked the cornfield this past weekend and it was full of waste grain. Um, but it's something about whether the neighbors are start pressuring it or, you know, these deer just wintering in a different area. But we had a trail camera set up down there and it was like, you know, picking up eight different bucks a day. And granted, you know, I mean, it was the rut and I understand you're, you're going to have more buck movement. Um, but it was... I mean, it was like a light switch. As soon as December hit, the pictures just went down to like one deer a day. And, not, and sometimes, not, sometimes even, not, not even. Yeah. Yeah. Not even. I mean, I think one time we went five days without getting a picture of deer. Yeah. Um, and, and we ended up pushing that this weekend uh, with some of the guys we hunt with down there. And, and I mean, I think that kind of showed that we were right. And it wasn't just the deer were in a different spot. I mean, they just weren't there. I mean, bottom line. And, and the sign showed that too. I mean, there was a crossing, you know, and, and the ground was wet. We got some rain and, and I didn't see a fresh track in this, in this Creek crossing. That's just worn to shit from the rut. And, and there should have been a, uh, a track in there. I mean, going to the food and, and there just wasn't. So, you know, I mean, how do you fix that? I don't think we can, I mean, not with the permission we have. It's not like we can manage the property. Um, you know, better, better than we already do. And, and so you just got to drive around and find where the deer are at and, and change plans for the late season, I guess, you know, just leave that alone. Well, and I think that's kind of a stepping stone to our next uh, thing that we wanted to talk about. Uh, The sanctuaries down there have from year to year increasingly become more and more prominent, large and hold more deer. And that is becoming a serious issue for us, especially out of the rut. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think people see, you know, the deer we kill and stuff and, and they think we're hunting this primo, primo ground and, and granted, you know, the genetics are down there and we're extremely lucky to be able to hunt where we do and, and have, you know, the permission we do. But the facts are, is we don't hold the deer. I mean, in the off season, I mean, we, we just don't there's so many big sanctuaries and and i think that's another part of the reason every time we see a mature buck on ours during you know the rut they have a doe with them i mean they're they're on a doe because they're pushing these does out of these big sanctuaries that have you know two three hundred deer in them because they don't want the other bucks getting at them and 
that's when they come onto ours. And, and it's a very slim opportunity that you have to, you know, be there at the right time, um, in the right moment and get the right deer. And it, it's just such a slim opportunity. And, and don't get me wrong. There's plenty of big deer around. It's just, they're not on ours very often. And maybe we need to kind of explain what we mean sanctuary to, because sometimes sanctuary to people means, you know, someone with primo land that doesn't let anybody hunt and, but might hunt it themselves or something along those lines. So what we're talking about is these huge tracts of land that not only does nobody get permission on, but a lot of times it's bow hunted by one person, maybe a year. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times it's not even hunted late season. Yeah. yeah. So all, I mean, it's, it's almost survival of the fittest. Uh, these deer realize, you know, as soon as December basically hits, maybe somebody pushes them. Maybe they see some people more active, more activity, something along those lines. They know where to go. They've lived through it. You know, whether it's two, three, four miles away, it doesn't matter. Cause as soon as they get that pressure in late season, they already know where they're safe. Yeah. And I mean, a big part of that, and I'm sure, you know, anyone in Southern Iowa or, um, or anywhere really that has, you know, really good deer hunt is, is starting to see too, is, um, the leasing numbers have just got, I mean, skyrocketed in the past, you know, three, four five. years, especially five years. And, and bottom line is I think bow hunting, um, in Southern Iowa anyways, is, is becoming almost pay to win, which is, it's pretty sad because we used to be able to go around and, and, you know, talk to the neighbors and, and, talk to anyone and get permission on stuff and and now they're like nope and we had one in particular we lost one of our best properties this year and and called the guy up and asked him and don't get me wrong he was he was plenty nice about it but he bottom line he said these guys showed up with some money in their pocket and and uh made a deal and let them hunt and so we just had to move on from that one and and uh you know work with what we had but we're seeing that more and more and like marshall said i mean it's only one person hunting it it's not really getting pressured and a lot of these guys aren't hunting late season you know i mean a lot of them are outer staters and and i don't know for sure how how exactly they're hunting every year but um that's not really for me to know i guess but um it's just one of those deals where you know i think we're gonna have to start getting to the point where you know we save up our money and 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 lease some ground if if we want to have success especially in the late season and Back to the whole one person hunting these sanctuary things. If they are gun hunting it, which I seldom see, if they're shotgun or muzzleloader hunting these pieces, they're going out and sitting. It's never 10, 15, 20 guys walking through these pieces. It's one guy going in and setting in a set where he's not pressuring those deer. And that's that that is a huge, huge difference, you know, in the type of gun hunting. Because, I mean, you have all those people walk through, all of a sudden those deer don't feel safe anymore. Yep, yep. And, I mean, and, and we've definitely seen it. I mean, 10 years ago when we went down there, you'd have deer running from everywhere. I mean, you wouldn't even be pushing a piece, and next thing you know, you got 20, 30 deer come over the hill from, from somewhere else because those sanctuaries used to get used to get hit. I mean, everyone used to gun hunt. And yep. now it's just not that way. So once you run through yours and, you know, you move the deer off yours, they get into those places and and good luck getting them out because they just 
they don't come out of there. They know they're safe there, and, and that's the way it is. So, And it's kind um, of a double-edged sword type deal. Uh, I think it has increased the quality of the bucks, definitely. There's a lot more big deer. There's a lot more mature deer, yada, yada. But if they don't come onto the land that you hunt, then what's it really matter? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I like I said, is I, I'd be fine with not, you know, pushing stuff and, and just gun hunting, you know, setting and, and we do that late muzzler. That's how we hunt. Um, but it's so fun to get together with the guys, you know, I mean, we don't go with a very big group. It's five, six guys and, and that camaraderie and stuff. I mean, that's, that's it's irreplaceable. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, it's sad to see it becoming the way that it is. And, um, but you know what, I guess we go out and, and, you know, we shoot our does and, and we probably won't get a, a shot at a buck we want to shoot, but, um, it's still fun. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it's, it is sad to kind of see it going that way. Yep. We just gotta improve our land in any way that we can. Um, obviously we don't have the land to provide sanctuary like these other places do, especially since, you know, we do post during shotgun and, you know, Maybe we don't, wouldn't like to do that, but we're not going to go out and, uh, I guess, disc the guys that we do hunt with for shotgun because, I mean, we wouldn't do that to them. And, yeah, it probably takes away a few opportunities for us, but. No, but, good. I mean, it is fun. I mean, I, I, I enjoy it. I mean, last weekend I had I had a blast, you know, but. Yeah. Um, it is a little disheartening when in past years, you know, you push a piece and you move, you know, 20, 25 deer. And now you move five, you know, I mean, and, and no good bucks. And, um, it, it wears on you a little bit, but, you know, like I said, we're going to talk about it in a future podcast. Uh, we got some big plans for this off season to improve our stuff and, and hopefully hold some more deer. And, um, that's all you can do. You know, you got to work with what you got and we don't have the deep pockets and, and to be able to, lease out a bunch of ground or especially, you know, buy ground with the, with the market that it's in right now. And, um, so we got to find another way to b- keep being successful. I mean, well, no matter what, I mean, we're going to keep working towards, you know, our goals and hopefully someday, you know, we can buy, buy some land or, you know, lease out some good ground and, um, we're just not there yet. So for now we're going to just keep grinding away and, and, uh, pick the ones up that we can. One thing that I do find interesting is the fact that all of these out-of-state hunters that we see, same guys, year to year, year to year, I don't know where they're getting their tags. Because Iowa is not a state to just give an out-of-state tag away, especially a buck tag, year to year. Especially a, a bow tag. I mean, I know from yeah. oh. from my, my relatives, you know, I mean that have come and hunt out here a few times. And, um, it takes, you know, an average of four years at the minimum to draw a a bow tag. So, um, and I, I didn't really want to get into that too much. I don't want to be pointing fingers. I think everyone kind of knows what's going on. I just think it's interesting. Sometimes you see that, I mean, same guys year to year and somehow they're still getting attacked. I feel like it goes back to your pay to thing is that it's a problem. I don't know how it can be addressed. It's obviously not going to get addressed by me because that's none of my business. It really isn't. 
I just think it's interesting that that that's playing into the pay to win. Yeah, and and you know Iowa tried to pass the legislation, and I haven't heard any 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 word on it yet, um, whether it got passed or not. But they were trying to do kind of what Illinois does, where if you own, I believe it was forty acres, and you're out of state, then you can get a landowner tag every year. Because even even now, even if you own the land out of state, you still can't get, you know, a tag every year. So. What's that? Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I don't know all the specifics on it. Yep. It's weird. And, um, you know, I'd rather not have those guys around, but, but it is what it is. So we'll, we'll just keep moving and, and do what we can. Yep. Keep doing what we do. So now to talk about tactics, um, we got one weekend of shotgun left. So if you're out there with your group pushing, good luck. Um, you know, try to find where them deer are holing up after the first weekend and, and hit those spots and, you know, knock on doors. I mean, I'm not saying give up on that stuff. You know, if you know a piece is holding deer and get a hold of the guy and maybe they'll let you go. Um, right now, this time of year, you just got to hunt where the deer are, bottom line. I mean, you, you can't just go out to your, your rut pieces and, and hope something moves through because they're done moving through them rut funnels. And uh, it's a big scouting game at this point. Yep, it's a total 180 on uh, what the deer are doing. Uh, now that they're off the does, I'm not saying all the does are out because the yearlings are probably coming in now, um, but the deer are more focused on safety and food. Uh, you know, you go out and shotgun hunt, you know, you, you need to be pushing areas with heavy cover with a good food source around it and, you know, talk about setting up. Obviously, you know, the heads and tails of ditches are good runways. But that's not always where the bucks move. You know, the mature bucks, they've been around. They've seen a thing or two. They like to slip out on those little areas that you might not think are going to have deer moving through it. And you might not see a lot of deer on some of those areas. A little low spot. uh, Ten trees going out of a ditch a a different direction. Um, From what I've seen is that it's really, really hard to trick an old buck's nose. He's going to want to at least have a crosswind minimal he's not going to want to run dead away if you got a south wind he isn't going to want to run to the north he's going to run east west or south you know and they might get up and circle back around on you or try to find that low area where they can slip out and maybe 95 percent of the deer aren't moving through that spot but those old deer i mean they know their shit yep yeah i mean i I almost think it's impossible to move a deer, you know, out of an area, an old deer, um, that he's not going to have the wind in his favor. So when you're doing your drives, you know, set up for that, say, Hey, you know, we got a South wind. These deer are going to want to go South. They want to have that wind in their face. They want to know. So, you know, that's where you set your posters up. Um, and, and you run the piece kind of to that advantage and, and, uh, kind of think about where they're going to go. Um, we had a situation where me and Marshall were bird hunting uh, two weekends ago now, I think. And, um, you know, we were hunting, hunting kind of around this piece. And I looked up ahead and 200 yards away, it was just a massive buck. Um, and we were like, oh, that's kind of cool. And he ended up running off. And I'm like, man, I don't know where the hell he was going to go. Well, we ended up bird hunting around and, and headed back to the truck. And here he comes circling right back into the piece that you know we just pushed him out of with the wind in his favor um all he did was cross the road and and hook right back around and 
So that's another thing is, I mean, we've done it a few times is, you know, have some people wait back. If you know a deer, the deer really like to stay in a certain piece. A lot of times you'll push them out of there and they'll circle right back around and hook right back into there. So we've done that a few times where we leave a poster back and, and kind of wait for the, for the deer to circle back in there. Yep. And those deer are always watching, you know, like I said, they're not stupid. And I think that deer, I, I think he got up on that hillside and he kind of just sat there and observed, you know, and as soon as we started walking West there and got out of his line of sight, he gave another half hour, 20 minutes, and there he came. I mean, he's not – he didn't get that old for no reason. I mean, yeah. they, they, those deer know what they're doing. Yep, definitely. I, yeah. I'd say the only time that those deer don't know what they're doing is during the rut. And the rut can make any buck stupid, and I, I think a good example of that is that that uh, that main beam buck that we found. Yep. Yep. He, uh, we ended up finding one of the deer that we had on camera, um, quite a bit, honestly, during, during the course of the, of the year and just an old, old brute. I mean, I think he ended up scoring about 150 inches, but, um, we're guessing he was, you know, at least seven or eight years old, just, just an ancient beast. And, um, he was, every time we seen him, he was on a doe. I mean, and, he had almost every time on his right side and a few others that were just busted clean off. I mean, he was a fighting son of a bitch and, and, you know, that ended up just wearing him way down. And, um, we don't know if he, if he just got so wore down, um, and then the coyotes got after him or if he ended up getting, you know, speared during a fight or, or shot or whatever, but where we found him at, it looked like to me that the coyotes had kind of circled him out, out in the field and uh, just wore him down. And, you know, that's what the rut will do to them, to them old bucks. You know, if they, if they don't know their limits and, and are going hard. I mean, the rut's hard on them deer. Well, and I'd say pay attention. If you find a deer dead, pay attention to where he's at. Cause if he's dead down the ditch or near the ditch or in a bedding area, that's one thing, you know, that could be injury or, or, you know, like a, an old injury, like infection or he got shot or somewhere that he was trying to make himself comfortable, you know, try to get to where he felt safe. But as soon as you find an old brood of a deer like that land dead in the grass up on top of a hill, you start thinking those less likely circumstances because he obviously didn't have enough time to get back to where he was comfortable. And just like what you said, you know, either he got run down up there on that hill and that's where the yotes got him or he got hurt. I don't think he was sick because if he was sick, he would have made himself down there in that bottom, down in that bedding, somewhere like that. Yeah. It, it was just very strange where he ended up dying. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's a, that's another great tip is, is like you said, I mean, think about where you find them dead at, because a lot of times that's where they're going to die is where they're comfortable. And if you consistently, you know, are finding, you know, big dead deer somewhere, uh, that's probably a good, pretty good place to, to be hunting at and hunting around because obviously that's their home. That's where they feel comfortable. And, and, you know, when a deer is dying, it wants to go back to where it knows and, and where it's comfortable. So. Absolutely. 
And yeah, there are, I mean, there's exceptions to every rule, obviously. It, I don't know. I just thought it was very strange. I mean, this deer was 300 yards from any sort of cover, dead on a fence row on top of a hill. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he got shot from the road. I, I doubt it because of the location. It, it just didn't seem like it was any sort of death where he knew it was coming. Yep. Yep, for sure. So, um, and that, that was a shame to find him like that. But, but then again, you know, that's almost the way that some of them old, old bucks should go out. I mean, not getting taken by any hunter and, and just kind of natural causes taking them. I mean, he was obviously, uh, he'd seen a lot of things and, and maybe that was, you know, the way he was supposed to go out. So. Yep. And we've had pictures. This was the third year that we've had pictures of this deer and yep. I would have shot him three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I had never seen this deer in daylight though, until this year. And every time I seen him, he's on a doe running hard and, you know, you walk up on that body and you're just like, wow, it, this looks nothing like the deer that I saw a month ago because how much weight he'd lost. And just... Oh, yeah. I mean, when when we first got pictures of him this summer, um, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be exaggerating if I said he was, you know, well over 300 pounds. I mean, we had yeah. pictures of him and another buck. Um kind of running together and and i ended up seeing the other buck quite a few times during the year too and don't me wrong he wasn't a giant i mean he was two and a half three and a half year old deer but i bet this i mean he just looked like he was twice the size of him i mean yeah. i mean and, and he very well could have been twice the size of him so yep just a great old brute and um cool story there and but now moving on um after this weekend obviously you know we're going to try to get a few good ones down with the group again this weekend. Um, pretty excited for that. And then we're on to muzzleloader season and it's muzzleloader season has been one of my favorite times to hunt. I'm it's pretty brutal out there. Um, when it starts getting down to the negative temps, but that's really the best time to be hunting in my opinion, especially late muzzleloader because those deer have to come out to eat in daylight when it's that cold. Yep. They need that food and, if you've got an area that you can hunt with that kind of food, then you better be on it on them cold days. Even if, even if you can't sit very long, those deer will be out there. Yep. And like we talked about, um, scouting is the biggest thing late season, just like it is in October, kind of the same deal. Um, you got to find where the deer are at. And the nice thing about late season is a lot of times they're, they're pretty visible. Um, but don't overlook those spots that you can't see. I mean, um, if you know there's corn kind of tucked back into a, a low bottom and, and you can't see it from anywhere, well, that's probably a pretty good spot that you can go look, especially if there's some thermal cover around. And when we say thermal cover, we mean um, thick cedars, CRP, um, thick any kind of thick bedding, and especially south-facing bedding where they can get in that sun and and, and get warm. Um, those same are- place you look for sheds in, because yep. that's the same place that they're going to be when during shed season. Yep. And like Marshall said, I mean, it, it can be hard to sit very long. And, you know, another thing that I try to look for is, is access because, you know, chances are if it's that cold, when you're going in there, there's already going to be deer out on, on the spot that you want to hunt. And if you can find either, you know, we've utilized ditches, uh, rivers, when the rivers freeze over, um, anything you can do to kind of stay out of sight and just kind of pop up back where they're eating at. Um, that's going to be 
a huge game changer if you, if you can slip in there when the deer are already out on the fields. Yep. And don't underestimate your gun. I mean, some of those spots, I mean, you feel like, oh, I, I need a 50 yard shot. Well, a lot of times the deer that you don't want to shoot are coming out first and you don't really want to get busted by the first five does or fawns that were whatever little bucks that come out. You know, you got to play your wind and you don't underestimate your gun. If you've got to set up 100 yards, maybe a little bit or more off the spot and you know that your gun's shooting straight, but you're not going to bust any deer, that's probably your best bet. Yep, for sure. And and I think that's cost us more big deer than anything late season. It's just the fact that there was so many deer there. Um, that's, that's the biggest challenge about late season probably is when you have – 50 or hundred deer coming out somewhere. Uh, it's very hard to not get busted before that big buck comes out. Cause there, it seems like they're always the last deer to, to come out to the field. So. And that's why they're the big bucks. Yep. Yeah. They got to eat, but they're going to make sure it's safe for them before they come out and do it, especially in the open. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about late season this year, just cause we know we have some, some really good spots that we're going to be able to hunt. Um, and we've seen some some giants here in the last few weeks on those spots. Um, you know, like that deer we jumped up bird hunting. Uh, I think we're going to be able to probably get a chance with him at some point and hopefully find him back. Um, he's kind of in an area that we can hunt and we have access to the corn. So um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think we have some, some really big deer still hanging around and hopefully we can come up with a game plan to get after him. Yeah, I think we had a decent chance this year. And I think we are switching things up a little bit. You know, location, I, you know, we give one area a break for a year. And, you know, you come back to that the next year and you might have a hell of a lot more opportunity because last year they we're safe, too. And I know most people don't have those chances, but that comes back down to your wind. You know, if you're playing the wind right, then they feel safe anyway. Yeah, for sure. And um, I don't know. I mean, the season's not over yet. I'm definitely not giving up. I know you're not giving up. Um, we've had some, some bad luck, but we've had seasons like this in the past too, where, you know, nothing's gone our way and, and end up getting it done. And in the last week, it seems like, you know, that last week of January, sometimes that's when you can really um, make it all come together, especially if the conditions are right. And that's the biggest thing is you got to have some serious cold to be really successful in the late season, in my opinion. So. And I think we're coming up on some serious cold. I looked at the future cast, and uh, I think Thursday the twenty second. So that's just that's a week from today, I believe. Yep. <laughs> the high is negative one. Yep. So that's going to be a serious change for everybody, including the deer. Uh, they're going to have to get out there and get them calories, whether they like it or not. And hopefully that presents a great opportunity for us as hunters. Yep, for sure. So. Make sure you got your layers together. Uh, make sure you got your muzzleloader sighted in if you're going. And, and you know, a lot of people haven't hunted the late muzzleloader season. I think it's becoming a little more popular, but a lot of people don't even think about it. You know, after shotgun, they kind of think the season's over. But some of the best hunting is usually yet to come, especially if, like we said, you know, the weather cooperates. That's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. So. That's I think, all I have to say. Yep, I think we'll wrap it up for tonight. Um, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you like the podcast, share it with whoever you know. Uh, we're going to try to be coming 
uh, bringing them to you a little more consistent. Like I said, we got really busy and, uh, honestly I was pretty down and depressed about, um, that deer. And so kind of been taking a break from it, stepping back, but I think we're going to try to get it. We're going to try to get a lot more consistent with these podcasts and hopefully bring you guys some good information. And, um, hopefully you learn something from it. I've had a lot of, uh, different changes going on thing like that so we'll just have yep. to see how it all turns out yep have some have some job changes and uh you know busy with work and and some other situations but we're back to it now and uh it's gonna be a grind but we're gonna keep it going and like i said i hope you guys enjoy these podcasts we really enjoy talking about it and bringing you the stories and if you had like like i said if you have anything you want us to t- talk about or hit on um any questions you have send them in uh, we haven't got very many questions at all and don't be afraid to ask and we'll try to answer them the best you can and we've seen quite a few different situations we don't know it all but uh we've had a lot of different stories and situations over the year and maybe we can bring some light to the subject you want to talk about so yeah um, I think we'll end it on that. Thanks for listening, guys. And as always, find your adrenaline. See you guys.